from Local 12 Sports. It's the Skinny Podcast. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, presented by Blake the Attorney Mazelin. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Rick Rory. Each and every week, we talk about sports topics of local interest. We're closing in on our gambling segment. We're not quite there yet. One more week, although there are some college football games that you may want to wager on this weekend. College football is about a 10 or 12 game slate. And of course, my favorite part of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic, go to the X, the former Twitters, hit up Rick, uh, hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. He compiles the questions, you ask them, and I answer them, and it does not have to be on sports, as many of you know. Rick, i got to be honest with you, I know it's not a topic on our table, but I really was excited watching Messi and FC Cincinnati last night, to be quite honest with you. I, I tuned it in really late in the Reds game when they got out of that late, late jam, still led 8-4. to four. I kind of flipped back over to watch the final out and decided, I'll watch some of this before game two starts, and I ended up watching the whole thing until the Reds, <laughs> until I switched it back over to the Reds game. We're recording this Thursday morning, so the morning right after that game yep. finished up, that match finished up, it'll be telling today to see what the conversation about the game is like. Because I guarantee you what the conversation is going to be like is what a great atmosphere, what a great event for our city, how cool this was, which is fine. But, it, it, but, that's true. But but if it, this was a Reds game or a Bengals game or anything like that, we would talk, be talking about how that team choked away a 2 nothing lead in the second half, gave up the lead in extra time, and uh, let that game slip – or let that match slip away. Just being honest, that – there's, there's a difference between how we talk about soccer and how we talk about the other sports. Agreed. Still, just Agreed. And let a trophy maybe slip away because that would have put them in the final of the U.S. Open Cup for a chance to win a trophy. And that's a big deal to, to these to these teams. Yeah, I just I, I'm sorry. It was, it was an exciting soccer match. Legitimately incredible action from the second half all the way through extra time and in the shootout and all that. But it, how do you choke that away? That was an absolute choke job. Because because Messi doesn't lose the MLS teams. That's why. That's fair enough. I was trying to think, like, I was impressed by how excited people were to see him play and just the buzz that he was in the city. I guess the equivalent of that is, like, if LeBron signed signed up to play in some other country and then you had your only chance to use, he was, like, within your region, you had your only chance to go see him ever, maybe? Is that, like, kind of the equivalent here of what this was like for people in this region? Yeah, uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I was told Jamar uh, Chase and Joe Burrow were going to the match last night, and then we were in the locker room. Uh, a bunch of us reporters were clustered around each other just talking, um, and T. Higgins sauntered by. He goes, hey, y'all going to the game tonight? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, some of us are. Um, some of us aren't. I said, are you going? He said, best best athlete in the world. Of course I'm going. And I thought, wow, man, when, when those guys recognize that, that's pretty special. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was a little surprised at how much – buzz there was around I mean I knew it was a huge deal obviously I know and I recognize that a lot of people see him as the greatest ever at this point which is which is great I was just there were like I was listening to Pat McAfee's show and they were talking about how they're coming over from Indianapolis to come watch the game in Cincinnati of course Pac-Man's on that show so he was telling them how great the city of Cincinnati was and how much they were going to enjoy themselves so uh it it was interesting to me it was it was cool and the the stadium looked like it was an absolute madhouse I mean it was packed Yep. All right, let's jump into our topics. It is finally here, Skinny, our college football preview show. We've been kind of pushing off each week because normally, let's face it, we'd have five weeks to fill because the Reds aren't good and the Bengals haven't gotten going yet, so we'd be talking lots of college football this time of year. But we haven't really gotten to it yet this summer, so this will kind of be our big college football preview show. We'll start off with that. And I've got some storylines for each of the local teams that we're going to break down. I'll get your opinion on. We'll start with the Bearcats since they are the, the closest team to us. 
when it comes to storylines, it's it's kind of a take your choice because everything is a storyline this year for UC. You've got obviously the new coaching staff. You've got a ton of new players from the transfer portal. You've got a new transfer quarterback taking over in Emory Jones. So let's start there. I'm kind of going to let you choose your, your thing here. From one to three, one being the most and three being the least, rank what you're most confident in out of these three new aspects of UC's football season. Or I should say UC's football program, because not all of it will be just this season. But it's all new this season. New head coach Scott Satterfield, new quarterback Emory Jones, and UC's talent stacking up against the new competition in the Big 12. What are you most confident in versus what are you least confident in? One to three. Uh, all three I'm the least confident in, to be quite frank. Um, you know, I, I think it'll take a little bit of time to, to, to match the talent up in the Big 12. Um, color me – a guy that's just not an Emory Jones guy, having seen him at Florida. Um, I hope it works out. Uh, I know they're excited by by the dual threat possibilities of Emory Jones. I think before long he's going to be having you longing for the days of Ben Bryant, I promise you. Um, and Scott Satterfield was going to get fired in Louisville, and, and I'm supposed to, if I'm a fan, get really excited by that. I mean, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not excited by any of those three things, to be honest with you. I, I hope it works out for all. I hope, I hope Emory Jones, you know, this is a – a breath of fresh air for him to, to, to get a, a fresh start. And, you know, maybe the Scott Satterfield thing was more all the turmoil that was going on at Louisville. And, um, you know, it, it maybe just, it, it was a tough, tough fit for them at the time in the ACC. I, I don't think that was the case. Um, I know you can point back and go, well, he was really good at Appalachian state. That's fine. That's not the big 12 and it's not the ACC either. And the talent level probably isn't going to match up to the big 12 level yet. It's going to take a little bit of time to do that. So, I'm, I, I know you're asking me to rank them, but I'm not sure I can put one that I'm most confident in or even middle confident in. Well, I completely understand that you saying I'm not confident in any of the three, but I guess it would be kind of like uh, picking the lesser of two evils or picking the lesser of three evils at this point for for this question. I mean, I think I think there are. I'll, I'll go with this. this. Yeah, okay. I'll, if, if you want, I'll go with actually the talent level. To be honest with you, as the one I'm the most confident in because. Even though you've been in the AAC and competing against those type of teams, you also competed on a national stage and competed quite well on a national stage. And listen, I don't think they're at that talent level because a lot of those guys that did those things we're seeing now littered across NFL rosters, and and that obviously proves how good that talent level was. But I I don't think there's a huge slippage in talent level. I just don't know if it's enough to compete week in and week out in the Big 12 yet. I I agree with that completely. I think that would be – the thing that I'm most confident in is their, their talent level, because I also think they've done a pretty good job in the transfer portal this offseason. I mean, we'll see how it all right comes together, but they did add some legit guys in the transfer portal that should start and give them an instant impact uh, in the trenches on both sides, but, but really all around. I mean, you got new receivers out there that they had to completely replace that talented receiving core from last year. And I think they got some guys to be excited about. So I would say that's probably one for me. And then I would go Emory Jones over Scott Satterfield in terms of my confidence level. See, I think I'd go Scott Satterfield over Emory Jones and just give him a little bit of a pass for Louisville. I, I, I'm not; it's, it's hard for me to give him a big pass. Um, but, but Emory Jones was doing some stuff at Florida. I mean, it, it, yeah. he wasn't great, but he put up some numbers. He wasn't like yeah, he was he was he was helping Kentucky beat them. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong about that. He did get replaced. So uh, yeah, now he got replaced by a guy who was. A high NFL draft pick. So I, I mean, you know, whatever, but uh, yeah, I, I just think that there are definitely some concerns going in here. And, and for each team, I wanted to do the, uh, the win total 
pick over under for the win total as well. Cincinnati's win total was set at five and a half wins this year. Skinny. Uh, what do you think about five and a half wins for this UC team? I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go under it just because I just think the big 12 is going to be tight. I could see five and seven. I could see six and six. I can't see seven and five. And if I can see six and six is maybe the, 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 the ceiling, I would probably have to lean towards, towards the under at a five and seven ish level. I know ESPN uh, yesterday had two college football insiders do all the bowl projections for this year. And the bowl projections were, um, uh, they had UC. One of them had UC in the Independence Bowl, which means they had UC with a winning record or a 500 record at six and six. But yeah, that, that you got the schedule up, Rick. You know, Eastern Kentucky certainly should be a pushover game. Pitt is not going to be. I don't think Miami's going to be a pushover game this year, to be honest with you. I think they're better, and I think they win. But here we go, man. It starts legit after that, right? Keep yeah. rolling. I mean, it's legit. Oklahoma, BYU, Iowa State, depending on whether their guys are betting on that game or not. Baylor. Um, <laughs> You know, Oakey State, even Central Florida, uh, you know, coming from your league, Houston coming from your league, maybe a desperate West Virginia team at the time you play them. And I listen, I don't think Kansas, I think Kansas was a cute story last year. I don't know if Lance Leipold can keep that up, but give me a pushover when you look at their league schedule. Well, I, I think there are three wins that I expect them to get that I would say I would expect. EKU at home, Miami yep. at home, obviously. And yep. then that game at West Virginia this year. I know it's I know. at I, West Virginia, I, I go, but West Virginia is going to be terrible. I'll, I'll go I'll go Kansas before I go that one. Oh, I disagree. I, West Virginia has picked like dead last in the Big 12, uh, even yeah. after all the new teams. I think they're West going Virginia to be off. Neil Brown. We'll see if he can get it done. Then I would say after that, there are three more good chances, I think, for a win. Iowa State home. At Houston, which, I mean, that's a type of game you've been playing all along and, Correct. and winning. Correct. So, I mean, you would think, you know, Houston's probably expected to be better than UC this year because of all the turnover at Cincinnati. But that's a, a game that I feel like is very winnable for them still. And then the home game against Kansas, like you mentioned. So, I think there are six pretty winnable games on the schedule for UC. After that, I don't think there's a lot more that they have a good chance at. The question is, do you feel good about them winning all six of those winnable yeah, that's, games? That's, and I, that's I don't I, think I would. I, I feel like this is a pretty strong under for me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think the ceiling is is six and six. And that that means, you know, you can't slip up in some of the games you're talking about. You have to win the, the games you think are 50-50 games or maybe even leans towards UC. And that, that just doesn't happen really for any college football program, to be honest with you. There's always a stumble somewhere along the way where you're like, how in the world did that happen? Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to lean towards the under. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, anything else to get to on the Bearcats or I, I liked your I, and by the way, I liked your little uh your 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 theatric skills or whatever your production skills are. That was good. I'm out here working, man. I'm I'm, I'm I like grinding. It. Yeah. I just uh, talk. You're doing you're doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll go with since uh, Ohio State next because I, I'm anxious to talk about UK with or I, anxious would be the wrong term. I'm excited to get your take on UK, so I'm gonna save that for last. Save the best for last here. Um Ohio State's quarterback situation is fascinating right now. They've got Kyle McCord and Devin Brown both battling it out for the starting quarterback role. I think it was thought to be McCord's job to lose, but there have been rumors that Brown might be pulling in front over the last week or two. Ryan Day has refused to name either one the starter, and he's even basically said he kind of expects a platoon system going into the first game. Skinny, what do you make of that quarterback competition? Are you okay with Ohio State potentially running out two quarterbacks to start the season? Yeah, I, I know the NFL mantra 
is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I mean, you want to have one guy that's your guy in, in the NFL. And that, I think there's a lot of truth to that. In college, I think you can get away with some of that for a little period of time, especially in the non-con. Um, but I would hope by the time you start Big Ten play, and I think he would hope this too, that one of the two will have have taken the job. It's You know, you don't want to give somebody the starting nod by default. Um, we've kind of talked that in regards to the Bengals' backup quarterback situation. You expect one of these two guys, Trevor Simeon or, 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 uh, or Jake Browning, to be the backup, but do you, is it going to be by default or are they going to go earn it and win the job? And I think in this case, that's what you would want. And, and it gives you a chance maybe in the non-con to, to see, um, you know, to see what what these guys can do in game conditions. Because sometimes you, you, you think, you know, the you, you use the practice reps and you use the practice tape to go off of your evaluation, but some guys are different when the lights are on. And I got to be honest with you. I know this is going to be damning praise in a way. You know, very few of these Ohio State quarterbacks have gone in the NFL and done great things. And the jury's still out on Justin Fields as a quarterback, not as an athlete or a runner, but still very much as a quarterback. Um, you know, obviously, C.J. Stroud um, is the next in line. But none of these guys that have come out have really done anything in the NFL. I think some of it is life is so easy for them at Ohio State with the offensive line, with the plethora of receivers that, listen, you can put a, a, a lot of guys back there and they'd be they, they'd be pretty good in Ohio State's offense to be honest with you but I think for Ryan Day I get it but I think eventually he's going to want someone or need someone to win that job and not just go well I want to go with one guy and I'm going to have to give it to you that's not how you want that to happen do you have any thoughts on which quarterback you think it'll be or which quarterback you think it should be yeah I yeah, I thought coming out of spring it was McCord, but obviously if he's it, 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 the question is is he slipping and the other guy gaining or is the other guy just gaining and um, you know that that's that's more of praise for what he's done. Well, I just look at it in the spread offense that they run at Ohio State. It's always better to have an athletic quarterback who can make plays with his feet. And when I look at these two guys, Grant, we haven't seen much of either one of them yet, but Kyle McCord, who I think could be a good quarterback, kind of reminds me of like Andy Dalton. He seems like a kind of a game manager, not great physical attributes, but a guy who probably makes quick on-target throws, runs your system really well. But I just don't think he's going to be the same type of athletic threat that Devin Brown is. Based on what I've seen, Devin Brown looks like a big, strong runner. I mean, he's not Tim Tebow. I've been watching Swamp King, so that's kind of on my brain right now when it comes to talking Urban Meyer, Ohio State-centric <laughs> things or adjacent things. But, I, I mean, Devin Brown looks like that big athletic dual threat type of player that would fit very well in that spread offense where they're, they like their quarterback to be able to run a little bit. So I'm thinking it's a lot more of Devin Brown is just kind of stepping up, looking more the part. And they're looking at this as like, Hey, he really fits what we're trying to do more than McCord does. If they're both equal, if they're both playing at their best, I think the concern maybe in, in springtime was that McCord was going to be way ahead of where Brown was just from a, a mental standpoint. And you do have two preseason All-American wide receivers to throw the football to. That's not going to hurt either one. Yeah, and about three or four others that could probably be the best receiver for most other schools. Yeah. So, yeah, they're loaded in the yeah. receiver room. Uh, Ohio State's win total was set at 10.5. Oh, by the way, the other thing is their running backs are ridiculous this year, too. They're going to be yes. running the football yeah, I mean, a whole lot. So it may not matter how good their quarterback is. All right, the, the Ohio agreed. State win total was set at, at 10.5 wins, Skinny. What do you got on 10 and a half for Ohio state? Yeah, that gives you one slip up. I, I think they got a shot to run the table. Um, you know, that, that has you going undefeated to, to the, to the end, basically. I, yeah, I, I, I I'll, I'll take the over there. I 11 and one would be, um, 
would be honestly, I think a worst, I think a worst case scenario would be 10 and two. And I just don't see it. I, I think they got a shot to run the table. So I'll, I'll take the over there and feel good about the over, to be honest with you. I mean, the tough stretch comes in October 21st here where you've got Penn state at home and then at Wisconsin that those back-to-back games, one of those feel like they could, I don't know if you call it a slip up because both those teams are going to be pretty good, but one of those games feel like the, the loss you could get that maybe you're not expecting prior to that. I mean, Indiana, Youngstown state, Western Kentucky, obviously the Notre Dame game is a big one, but that's the type of game that, Let's face it, Notre Dame never wins. I mean, I just can't see Notre Dame winning that game. Um, then Maryland, Purdue. I mean, I think they're undefeated at that point. It, it really becomes a story when you get to the Penn State Wisconsin game. I or Penn State Wisconsin weeks back to back. I think. Yeah, and then obviously the big one at the end. So I mean, if you I, you could have a slip up to there, and that could give you a second loss with Michigan. But it feels like. Ohio State, it's it's time to turn that ship around a little bit. I yeah, I'm going to go the over. It's again, I, I think it's a good number at ten and a half. Um, t- ten and two would be the floor. I, I think much like the UC thing, though, Rick, I'd either not bet it or I'd bet the over. UC, I'd, I'd either not bet it or bet the under. I'd, I'd probably lean towards not betting it. I, I don't know about you, but that it's a good number. It's a tough number to to, to go by just because of what, what you were talking about. It feels like this is the number every year for Ohio State, right? It's like, are they going to lose one game or are they going to lose two games is basically the question it feels like every single season. And I, this year is one where I don't feel strongly either way. I would just stay away from this completely. If I had to lean one way or the other, I think I'd lean under just because of the uncertainty going into this year at the quarterback situation. It's not usually have a stud back there. And I'm not saying they don't this year. One, either one of these two guys could end up being really good, but I'm just not as as sure about this team going in. So I'm going to say they slip up in one of those other games and lose at Michigan this year because I do think Michigan is loaded. So um, I would lean under, but I, I don't feel strongly either way. I would just stay away from that one for sure. Anything else to get to on Ohio State or can we move on to the Wildcats? Let's move on to Kentucky. All right. This one I'm excited about because it's going to be an interesting year for Kentucky. For me, the big storyline is the combination of offensive coordinator Liam Cohen and NC State quarterback transfer Devin Leary teaming up as new additions. Uh, Cohen was at UK for the 2021 season when the Wildcats ranked fifth in the SEC with 32.3 points scored per game. Last year, he took the offensive coordinator job with the Rams and UK dropped to dead last in the SEC with 20.4 points scored per game. Uh, Cohen left the Rams, came back to UK this offseason. Also, as I mentioned, they added fifth-year transfer quarterback Devin Leary from NC State. He tore his pec muscle last year, but put up 35 touchdowns and just five interceptions in 2021. So, Skinny, what are your expectations for UK's offense this year after losing Will Levis, but adding back Liam Cohen and new quarterback Devin Leary? And and a couple offensive linemen in the transfer portal as well. I think that's the big big. part. I, I, I think the combination of that, um, you know, what Liam Cohen did. Let's not forget, you know, uh, Devin Leary had far more experience as a quarterback than Will Levis did when Liam Cohen got got a hold of Will Levis. And and we saw how that turned out that year with those two together. Um, so you got a far, um, I don't want to say finished product, but a far further along product in, in Devin Leary to go with Liam Cohen. And I think, I think this offense has a real chance to put up big time numbers because I think the offensive line will be significantly upgraded. They were able to move uh, a couple of guys back to the normal positions because they had to move them around last year. I think that's a, that's a bonus. And, and again, I think if that offensive line is as good as what it's supposed to be, and it looks like on paper, then yeah, I think the sky's the limit for that offense. Well, 
the offensive line thing is such a big part of this because last year they were a disaster. And I do think Will Levis was a talented player and a really good college quarterback. With that offensive line last year, the offense was kind of a disaster, even with Levis back there. I mean, he was just running for his life, trying to make too many plays out of pocket, it seems like, and and never really had a clean pocket to throw from. So the offensive line transfers are going to be big. I also thought it was really cool hearing Devin Leary talk about how Will Levis really talked him into coming to Kentucky and, and playing for Liam Cohen because he said that was going to be such a great situation. It was the best quarterback coach and offensive coordinator you could play for. So you kind of got that going for you. And then, Skinny, I was really excited about that young receiving core last year. And we talk about like Barry Brown, Tavion Robinson, Dan yep. Key, those guys. I, I liked those guys last year. It just felt like they didn't always have enough time to make plays downfield because the offensive line was so bad. So I think w- with Cohen back, some of the play action stuff that he did a couple years ago, you bring that back into the, the offense, get the running game going again a little bit more. I'm really excited to see what this UK offense does. And I think it's an SEC that sets up for them to where, you know, I mean, it's kind of them in Tennessee for that second spot in their division, right? Yeah. I don't think they're, you know, they'd have to pull off a miracle to beat Georgia, obviously. But yes, I, I think it is clearly between Kentucky and, and Tennessee for number two. Now, Tennessee's had their number here the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, no Hendon Hooker. Um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe it's time to turn the tables on them too. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I, again, I don't give up hope of, of beating Georgia. It is a long shot. I will certainly fess up to that portion of it. But um, you know, a few years ago they had Georgia at home for a chance to win the SEC East. You give me that chance again this year, I'm going to take it and run with it. I know this. They have a much better shot at beating Georgia with Liam Cohen than they did with Rich Scangarello. Yeah, that, that offensive game plan for that game was embarrassing. I know Georgia's great, and they they did keep it close, and they did play it close to the vest and, and until they actually kind of let Will Levis turn loose in the second half, and he almost, you know, he made some big plays to get him back in the game and and, and, and almost, you know, I guess shouldn't even say almost pulling upset, but they he, he certainly made some big plays in the second half that I wish they had turned him loose to let him do in the first half. Yeah, without question. That, that game was a tough one to watch. All right, let's bring up bring up the schedule here for – the Wildcats and we'll do our over under the over under for Kentucky was set at seven. Exactly. No half here at seven skinny. What do you think about seven wins for Kentucky? Yeah, I, I, I feel nine and three, eight and four comfortable to be honest with you. So I, I think I'm going to be confident in taking the over scroll through that first part of the schedule. And you can almost, you can see five and oh, there's three and oh right there. There's four and oh, and they, they owe Vanderbilt too. They owe, and they Vanderbilt. owe Vanderbilt. That's correct. Yeah, yes. they're not but, losing that game, and, and they should a, beat chance, Florida. Yeah, that, no, and that's a that's a real chance for a five and zero oh start. And if they can look good in the five and zero, oh, again, that's a big ass to go to Athens. I'm I'm going to tell you that. Then you fear the letdown, but Missouri should be winnable. Then you got another 50-50 game with Tennessee. I'll give that a second loss there. Mississippi State, they're better than. I'll give Alabama a third loss there. South Carolina is is winnable. Louisville is probably. It's probably leaning towards toss up, but let's face it, Kentucky's roster is better. So again, I I, I see th- I see two definitive losses: Alabama and Georgia, a 50-50 game in Tennessee, and then honestly, I think everything else is winnable. Yeah, I agree. And and this Kentucky team always loses a game that you don't expect them to lose, or at least from my perspective, they do. I, I see them at six and one, but I'm going to say they won't be six and one because that's never how it works with this UK team. I'm going to say they end up at five and two at that point. And then four of the last five games are winnable. Even if three of them are on the road, I, I think they get over seven wins. I, I feel pretty darn good about that. I, do too. I feel like this is an easy over for me. I, I feel most confident about Kentucky's number compared to the other two. 
Yeah, I, like I said, I, I, two definitive losses and maybe two or three toss-up games at most. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I I feel nine and three. I'm thinking eight and four at worst. And really, in a total worst-case scenario, seven and five, and you get a push. Yeah, that's the, that's the other great thing about it being on the numbers. You can push on that seven, and the seven feels like it's all. I'm not going to say guaranteed, but it feels pretty close to guaranteed. Yeah, especially if, especially if they get off to that five and zero start and, and build confidence and don't get hurt in that five and zero start, and they're they're pretty healthy heading down the stretch. I, I feel great about it. Yeah, heck, even at four and zero, I mean, you feel really good about right, them. Getting right, seven. Yeah, right, right. All right, Skitty, it, it is week zero this. Saturday. So you mentioned about a 10 game slate, something like that. There's only one interesting game. Uh, th- we're not really full fledged into our pick them yet, but I do want to know what, what do you have on this week zero Navy Notre Dame matchup in Ireland? It's uh, Notre Dame is a 20 and a half point favorite. 49 is the total for the game. Are you, do you see anything you like there? I, I, I honestly, if I was going to make a play this weekend, I'd be all in on Notre Dame laying the 20 and a half. I, I, I think they blitzkrieg this team. I, I, Navy was really bad last year. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman had some ups and downs, but I think he's got a good roster on his hands. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame 42-14. So that, to me, uh, it would be Notre Dame in an over. I know the trip to Ireland's probably factors in a little bit, I guess, just because it's traveling for for a distance. But Navy's got to do the same thing. So yeah, I, I think Notre Dame rolls in the opener. Uh, do you do you factor in? The, the travel, a little bit jet lag or anything for the, the total number set up for you? Now, do you think, oh, maybe they're going to no I guess sluggish? The only, yeah, the only thing I'd have to have to see that day, if I was going to look at it, would be what's the weather like? Um, you know, if it's, if, it's, if it's a rainy, windy, soggy day, does that factor in? And it might, but I still think even if that ca- that's the case, then Notre Dame wins 28-3. to three. So uh, I, I feel really good about them laying the, the, just, just under the three-touchdown threshold. All right. And I know it feels like they're begging you to bet Notre Dame, and that's usually the wrong way to go. But if you're going to beg me to do it, I, I probably have to do it. Yeah, I oddly enough, I feel the same way. I'm probably going Notre Dame and the points there. So, all right, let's uh, move on from the college football segment of the show on to the Reds, who swept the Angels over the last few days, including winning a doubleheader over them on Wednesday. They are now three and a half games back of the Brewers for first place in the NL Central, tied with the Cubs, and they're currently in line to receive the National League's third wildcard spot, a half game ahead of the Giants and D-backs for that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to read too much into one of these situations. Okay, I love it. Would you like to read too much into the Reds' three-game sweep over the Angels? They're back, baby. Or... Hunter Green's awful start on Sunday. He's going to be terrible. He's not going to help him at all. He's worse than Luke Weaver. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd probably read too much into the Hunter Green start, but he does have to be better. The, the five home runs is alarming. But, you know, we saw this last year in Milwaukee, and he seemed to rectify it pretty quickly after that. Um, and, and that's my hope this time around. Is This, this has not, not happened to him before. It's happened to him literally gave up five home runs in Milwaukee last year, and it looked like the end of – you know, that Hunter Green's going to be a bust. And then he turns it around and ends up having a pretty nice season. So I I, I, I think we read too much into that. It was disappointing because it felt like, hey, we're trading Hunter Green for Luke Weaver. What an upgrade. Um, you know, Luke Weaver could have gone out, out there and given up five home runs. Oh, wait, he's done that before. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm reading too much into that if, I, if, I, if I'm reading too much into it. If, if this happens for a three, you know, another couple of starts, then we got to figure out something's wrong with Hunter Green. I'm just going to read into his first start back. Um, and he just didn't have a feel for it. 
Okay, so you're so you're not reading too much into the hundred degrees. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're 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 gonna say don't read too much into that. And I'm with you. Here's the other part of this. And we mentioned this last show when we were talking about getting him back. The other side of this is you didn't replace Hunter Green with a serviceable pitcher. Or or, or vice versa. You didn't replace Hunter Green for a serviceable pitcher. Luke Weaver could have very well gone out and given up five home runs and and 10 runs in three innings. Like that's not unreasonable for Luke Weaver either in a normal start. So yes, it stinks that Hunter Green pitched that way. Yes. It's a little concerning that you're kind of expecting him to be a force to get you back into this race. And he looked terrible, but you're not losing anything by pitching him over Luke Weaver in the rotation. And the upside for Hunter Green going forward is immense. We know what he's capable of is if he's going right. So uh, yeah, I, the, 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 the three game winning streak here, the sweep over the, the angels, was big though. This team needed a little momentum in the worst way. And skinny, I don't. I mean, Sterling Marte hasn't really done anything since he no. was called up on Saturday. But it is kind of weird. Well, it seems like every time they go to bring up a young guy to the major league team, they kind of get this shot in the arm and start winning games again. I know. I in the past it was like McLean did something and and Ellie did something just kind of spark them. Sterling Marte really hasn't gotten that chance yet. I mean, he's been in the game, but he hasn't really done anything to spark them yet. But he uh, he kind of has seemingly given them a shot in the arm just by being up here as well. Yeah, uh, it gives him another good athlete for sure. Um, you know, back to your, your comment of reading too much into something. The one thing I hope I'm not reading too much into is where Nick Lodolo's career is heading. It, it just feels awkward at the moment, does it not? Yeah, what what do you think is going on there? Do you think they're just thinking about shutting him down for the year or well, I, I, that would, that would be the best case scenario. My worst case scenario is this, is this something that's chronic and never going to, to get right for this guy? That's why I hope I'm not reading too much into this. And what would that, what would that be like? Just a bone condition or something? I guess. Yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know, but it's just, it did. It, it just feels odd. Yeah, I I because the the reports on him haven't made sense. That's for sure. I mean, it just it doesn't check out with what they've been saying all along and the fact that he doesn't seem to really be getting better. Right. Um it, it is concerning, especially long term, because you were thinking you got Hunter Green locked down already, you've already paid him the money. Hopefully you have a number two type guy in Lodolo, but going back to the Hunter Green deal skinny, thank God they decided to give him the money and not yeah. Lodolo. And, and, and there were, I think there were not rumors, but I think some reports were circulating that they were they were closing in on making Lodolo next. And I understood it. I still understand yeah. the Hunter Green, even if that goes haywire. I get it. I'm I'm behind it 100 with what they did with Hunter Green. But there um, were a lot of yeah. people at the time who wanted Lodolo to get that money instead right. of Green, thinking right. he was the better pitcher. And I, I don't think that was a crazy thing to think at the time either. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else on the Reds here before we move on to the Bengals? Yeah, I, it, it's hard not to mention what Grant, Graham Ashcraft has done. In fact, Good we point. put a story up on Local 12. I got it off of Optostats uh, yesterday. It's a crazy thing. He's the he's the first pitcher since they started keeping ERA stats since 1913, so over 100 years, to have a 10-game stretch where his ERA was 10, and it was exactly 10 over a 10-game stretch, and then followed up at any 10-game stretch of a season – with an ERA of under 2.5, and actually it came back-to-back. So he had a 10-game stretch of a 10 ERA. In his last 10 games, his ERA is 2.46. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It is. And do you remember when we were going through that stretch of him being terrible for those 10 games in a row, and people were like, they got to get rid of it. I mean, this guy cannot be on the Major League team anymore. I always thought that was an overreaction. We talked about it on the show that, look, he started off the season pretty well then hit that funk where he was crazy bad for an extended period. And I, I understand people starting to wring their hands a bit and being like, what's going on with this guy? But to give up on him that soon 
would have been crazy. And boy, has he bounced back. I mean, he's once again, look, we talked about him at the end of last year thinking this guy looks like he may have something. Let's see if he can develop into that middle of your rotation type of guy, that third starter potentially. And the way he's come on again this season, I'm not so sure that he's not a little bit more than that. I mean, maybe yeah, he's your number two behind Hunter Green. Yeah, I mean, he keeps stacking these starts. You have to you have to certainly put him in that category. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Bengals. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to here, but Skinny, the biggest story that I want to get to is how did you avoid the list? If you I, didn't, I, I, if you hold on, if you didn't hear, Joe Mixon <laughs> was back with the team this week, and on Sunday. He refused to speak with reporters and told four of them specifically that he won't be taking their questions from here on out. Somehow, you were not one of the four. I could not believe when I saw this. It was limited to Ben Baby of ESPN, Kelsey Conway of the Enquirer, James Repeat of Cincinnati Football Talk, and Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network. So, Skinny, take us into the locker room. What's going on here? Why is he not talking to these four, and how are you not included in that? Yeah, and I will be clear. He did talk to, to all of us, including those four, the next day. He, he said he's not taking questions from them, and I'll give him credit. Um, Jay said he had a question he wanted to ask but didn't want to have the thing shut down. Um, and I told him, I said, next time, just ask it at the end. Uh, you know, you got your job to do. It's, it's all fine. I, I think some of this stems from he's had a long-running feud with Ben um, uh, just on, all over the Twitterverse. Uh, Kelsey reported on one of his court cases. Jay did the same, and I think James um, is is – way all over social media more than I am. And so I'm going to guess Joe heard him say something because uh, as we pointed out, all of us literally this off season wrote that one of two things is going to happen to Joe Mixon. They need to move on from him because of finances or, or they needed to restructure his contract. They ended up restructuring his contract. All of us wrote that literally all of us. So, so Sunday, um, you know, this was the first day that he was back at practice after his court case. He stood at it. He came to his locker late. He was playing ping pong. Came to his locker late, about three minutes to go in open locker room. And Paul Daner Jr. and I were standing there. And Paul said, you want to go up? I said, yeah. So he and I walk over, take a step. And Paul said, hey, do you want to talk? And he turned and he said, I'll talk to you all later. And then he pointed at the floor and said, but I'm not taking questions from you or you or you. And then he scanned the room and found James and you and then walked away. <laughs> that had to be a pretty funny moment, though, especially the James part, like at the end, like that. Yeah, like I, I thought he was looking for a random person. Like I'm going to pick one more you, and so I don't know if I avoided it getting a stray bullet there or whatnot. But I, I so did Paul. Paul avoided it. I avoided it. Uh, Laurel Failer and Mike Petralia were not there that day, so I guess they weren't on the list either. But they avoided it. But then the next day he did talk. I mean, you know, it did it it it, it worked itself out. And and you know, for 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 those four reporters. Listen, you know, if if moving forward they go to ask a question, I would be guessing he probably will answer the question. That's what I was going to ask you, too. Do you think he sticks to this or not? I guess the next time we talk to him and they're in the scrum or, or try to walk up themselves, that's when we'll find out. How much does the team get involved in a situation like this at all? Like, do they care that he's doing this? Do they tell him, like, please don't do something like this? Well, or? Yeah, yeah, there is a policy where players have to be available Right. But the policy doesn't say they have to answer questions. So I could walk up to a guy and, you know, the old Mar- Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right. Um, you know, you can walk up to a guy and ask a question, say no comment. Or there's times I'll walk up to a guy. He got a second. No, I don't today. That's fine. And I, I live with it. I can make a fuss about it, I guess, if I wanted. But at that point, unless, you know, it's something desperate I need to do or something that I feel like the guy's ducking and dodging, then it's not that big of a deal. And, and honestly, I, I got to be honest, if Joe Mixon doesn't want to talk this year, I really don't care. It, it's not going to affect me. What There's 52 other dudes in that locker room to talk to. 
Well, has Joe Mixon ever had a meaningful quote in his entire career with no. the Bengals? I mean, That's he never says anything I, interesting. That's the other thing I told people. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't really get too worked up about this. I do think the whole situation is just funny. And I am, I guess I'm a little surprised. I know there are feuds between like one reporter and one athlete occasionally where guys get mad at each other, but it's usually kind of like, you know, you've got your your big reporter in town. Like in our case, in years past, it probably would have been like a Dockery type guy, right? Yeah. He's been around for every forever. Everyone knows his name, and he writes wrote, opi- wrote opinion pieces. Yeah, right. Opinion writes opinion pieces. things that yeah. can kind of be surly or whatever. So you could see that one on one feud going between him and another player. Maybe they get called out, but I don't think this happens as much as you would think it happens. Where a player just gets pissed off about something. It's like, I'm not talking to you guys anymore. I'm a little surprised we don't see more of this in a social media age, especially where more and more teams are like, we don't even really care if anyone covers us. We'll put out all of our own coverage on social sure. media and, and control the message ourselves. I'm surprised there isn't more like, I'm not going to talk to you. Do you think there's going to be more of this going forward? I don't. I, I, not in this locker room. I, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I, I certainly haven't noticed it since the since the outburst on on Sunday. To be quite frank, um, you know, colleges Rick are trying to control the message more and more. They're, they're really they, they don't open their locker rooms. They'll just give you a couple of players to talk to after a game, and so they're trying to control the message, right? Yeah, most colleges whine and complain that they don't get enough coverage and they want for their for their marketing and their ticket sales and everything. They want more outlets to cover them, but then when it comes time to actually giving access and letting people cover them. They want nothing to do with it. Right. Like they just want right. to control the message and put it out themselves. So yeah, the, the college thing is getting out of control in terms of the reporting. The NFL and, and professional sports in general are still a little bit different in that regard. There's still open locker rooms and reporters in there doing their job. A and bit you more. know what? You, you are a professional and that's part of your profession. So, you know, learn to deal yeah. with it. Do you think he's a baby? I mean, do you I think do. this whole thing makes him I look do. bad? Yeah. Because I, I think it's probably embarrassing. not in the eyes of fans. I trust me, the fans don't care about the media, nor should you. I mean, I, right. I, I get that por- portion of it, but yes, I think he is being a big baby. Yeah, I, I, his agent, and I don't want to get you canceled and put on this list, but his oh, agent I, I looks care. like an idiot. Trust me, I don't care either way. To be quite frank, yeah, <laughs> but his agent tweeting back at Ben Baby and yeah. tweeting in like like he's an eighteen year old on Twitter. I mean, it was just yes. bizarre. It's like it bizarre. you know what you did. Like it's yeah. like I, that guy. It, I would never. Sign up, sign up to be a client of his after seeing an outburst like that on Twitter from him. It just looks incredibly embarrassing. I wouldn't want my agent acting behalf of me, acting on behalf of me on social media like that. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to something other than just. I just love the image of him being like you, 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 and uh, where's that guy with the blonde hair? You, you. Yeah, I'm not talking was- to you either. Yeah. That's funny. I, 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 one more question about this. I did hear that it was something about like he was mad about his address getting doxxed from one of the court cases, but that makes absolutely zero sense. Is there any? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that, that, I think that's what fans, fans took and ran with. That was public record. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like that has nothing to do with anything. Correct. Everyone knew, Correct. knew that. Correct. As soon as it happened, it was public record. So there's a police report. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> um, uh, but the the sad part is I could kind of see Joe and his agent not understanding that and thinking they were getting doxxed. So I, when I heard that, I was like a little concerned. Are these people really that stupid? So glad to hear that that doesn't sound to be the case. Um, Skinny, the Bengals tied the Falcons 13 to 13. They, they've had the two preseason games, a few weeks of training camp practices now. My question for you is, are there any names that are standing out or surprising you? I mean, we know the big names, obviously, who look good. Trey Hendrickson's been great, all that stuff. Are there any names that you would point out for fans that can't be there every day that you'd say, keep an eye on this guy? He's been pretty impressive. 
No, it's, it's I mean, because you've seen some of it already, like Andre Yoshivas, what's he what he's done in games and, you know, talking to Brian Callahan on Sunday. Uh, the question was asked, you know, has he surprised you? And he said, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but he certainly is impressed. And he said, listen, you know, you didn't know, you could always see the athleticism, but you didn't know, you know, could he handle NFL competition coming from the Ivy League? And he's more than done that. Does it get him in the rotation at wide receiver this year? Probably not. But does it at least make you have confidence if something happens to one of your main guys that Andre Yoshivash could go in there and succeed? I think it does. Um, he's arguably had a better camp than Charlie Jones, although they, you know he plays mostly outside. Charlie Jones mostly plays slot, although they've repped him somewhat outside. Charlie's also dealing with the labrum injury and trying to play through that. So, you know, maybe that's a factor. Um, I do think when push comes to shove, the fourth best receiver on this roster is still, as just a pure receiver, is still Trent Irwin. Um, but Yoshivash is certainly pushing for that. And, and like I said, I, I, fans have been able to see that because he's a receiver in a skill position. Um, but, but he's one. I, I think, the one name on the offensive line that's kind of opened eyes, I guess, is Deontay Smith, who's kind of moved ahead of Jackson Carmen at the swing tackle spot, really mainly because he's shown the ability to play both right and left tackle, where Jackson's actually done okay at left tackle, but struggled a lot at right tackle for whatever reason. He just it, Maybe it's a comfort thing. Um, so as it stands right now, in fact, I wrote a piece today on kind of who the backup lineman would probably be on game days, and it's because of their versatility. It's Deontay Smith is a swing tackle because he can play both. It's it's uh, Cody Ford who can play both guard and tackle, and it's probably Max Sharping who they've gotten reps at center where he's never taken reps before, and he becomes the center guard. So they've they've all got some position versatility on game day, and I think Deontay Smith has probably moved ahead of Jackson Carmen because he's shown the ability to play right and left. I think the big winner in all that actually is Layal Collins. That when he comes back, I thought they'd jettison him because of the finances. I think they keep him around as an insurance policy. Now he may wind up on an injured list. Um, before the season starts, he's not practiced yet. He's still on the pup list, which is physically unable to perform. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe he is the insurance policy as a swing tackle after all. I was just going to ask you about that. And the other thing, going back to the receiver room, is Yoshivash and Jones both going to make this team? How's yes. that going to work? Yeah. Uh, well, then who's who's kind of the odd man out there in the receiver room that's getting cut? Probably, if push came to shove, I think we've had this debate among the writers of – do you keep Stanley Morgan as your special teams guy or do you keep Michael Thomas as your special teams Ooh. guy? And the answer is probably you keep Stanley Morgan. You keep Michael Thomas around um, as a practice squad guy. I don't think anybody's plucking Michael Thomas. He likes it in that locker room. He's well liked. He's well liked in that locker room as well. You know, I think if you expose Stanley at the 53 man cut, somebody probably plucks Stanley because he's that good of a special teams player. Doesn't give you much value as a wide receiver, but uh, Again, there are certain guys that have made a living in this league just as special teams guys, and I think that's kind of Stanley's role. I think Stanley edges him out. So there's really not an odd man out. I guess it's Trent Taylor, but I've thought that all along. Once they drafted Charlie Jones, that kind of made Trent Taylor expendable. So if you think that's a surprise cut, I guess that would be one, but I've never found that to be a surprise cut. I think with the day Charlie Jones was drafted, uh, unfortunately for Trent Taylor, you know, marked kind of the the, the end of him uh, on the active roster for this team. Now maybe he sticks around on on the practice squad too. How big of a worry is this backup quarterback situation? Do you think it's Huge. it's likely that they might look at somebody else outside the organization right now? I, I think the thing that sucked, it, it, it depends on what San Francisco does. We heard yesterday they moved Trey Lance to third string. What does that mean for Brandon Allen? Is he now the fourth guy or the odd man out? Or does it mean that they're going to look hard to, to trade Trey Lance, which it sounds like they, they may do. And if they find a taker, then Brandon Allen's going to be kept in San Francisco as the number three quarterback. He's really the main option. You know, both Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan on different days, Brian on Sunday, Zach on Monday, 
um, did hint at the fact that, that, hey, you know, maybe the backup quarterback, they have to go find somebody, uh, you know, after cuts. But as Zach mentioned, and he's right, you know, you also have to have somebody familiar with the system. It's kind of hard to ramp somebody who's outside the system up in a quick manner. But at the same time, as I mentioned, we were talking about the Ohio State stuff. You don't want one of these guys to be the backup quarterback by default. You'd like one of them to go earn it. And I think Jake did some things on Friday in that last drive. He went four for four passing, showed some skill with his feet where he scrambled twice for 33 yards and did a really nice job overall on that drive. I'd like to see how these guys would operate behind the starting offensive line. I understand that's not going to happen. That's not feasible. It's just not the way they do things. But not all of this is on the offensive line because I've watched them in camp operate behind that starting offensive line, and they still have had their ugly moments. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. They've looked awful, sounds like, all the way around, not just in the preseason games when they're they're playing with the backups. It sounds like they've been bad in training camp practices too. Um, I guess a lot of people probably look at it as, let's just hope we don't have to worry about the right. backup quarterback and Joe Burrow's healthy all year. But, I mean, there is something to be said about where this team is expected to be how important each game will be for them when you're talking about seeding and everything else at the end of the year. And if you have a backup quarterback that could possibly step in for a half or a game and a half and, and win you one, that would make a big difference. So it's, I guess, do, do you see it as a situation where the Bengals should have spent more money on a backup quarterback or they should be looking at that now? Or is it really just a, this is just kind of how it worked out and you got to deal with it now. I think it's just kind of how it worked out and you got to deal with it. I mean, there's a lot of years in Indianapolis that Peyton Manning's backup. They never were going to want that guy to play. And they got fortunate that he didn't need that guy to play uh, most years, you know, to Joe's credit, he's had some odd stuff happen to him in preseasons. And he obviously lost the last, whatever, six games of his rookie year, but as much as he's gotten beaten up, he's also shown some pretty good durability as well. He played through that that pinky injury last year too, and shown some toughness on top of it. You know, I I think if they were alarmed, I think they would have done something earlier in the preseason. Um, I do think they've been surprised. They've not said this, but I think if you got them behind, I think they've been surprised that Trevor Simeon has been this bad. I, I thought it was a really good signing. I thought it made a lot of sense. I thought he'd be the perfect backup to come in and understand his role because it's what he's done here the last few years. But he's also a guy who's he's thrown for 300 yards in Paycor Stadium at one point in his career for the Denver Broncos and won right. some games with the Denver Broncos and put up good numbers at times with the Denver Broncos. But, you know, you wonder if maybe the inactivity of him not playing over the last few years because he's been a backup has taken its toll because he looks washed. Uh, he looks terrible. And that, that's a guy who was not good, but a legitimate starting quarterback he's in okay. this league. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just hard to believe he looks as bad as he does, but he, I, I thought it was, I mean, if it was him or Jake Browning right now, I'd take Jake Browning. I would take Jake Browning too. I think Jake Browning's won, won the job in my opinion. Um, but I say he's won the job. He's won it by default. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. he's backed yeah. his way into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cut, cut down day comes next Tuesday, August 29th. That's when teams have to be down to a 53 man roster. Who are the interesting names as we get close to that day? I know we've talked a little bit about them already, but are there any other ones that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, this is going to feel hot. Ta- it's not hot takey because he's a backup player, but he's a player everybody knows. I don't know if Drew Sample makes his team. Oh, finally. Oh, we've I, been waiting I, on that since he was drafted. I honestly don't. I, he, he, you know, he got hurt last year early, missed the rep, missed what, the last 15 games, and he just doesn't look physically right. Um, he hasn't caught the ball well. He doesn't look very – he's never looked athletic but he looks even less athletic. Um, to be honest with you, you know, Mitchell Wilcox, when he came back, looked night, night, light years and night and day better. And honestly, Tanner Hudson's looked better. And, you know, then Devin Asiasi, they liked who they picked up last year. 
none of those wow me, but those are honestly three tight ends better. Plus, obviously, you got Irv Smith as the starter. Those are three guys I think have had better camps than Drew Sample by far. And Drew's a good kid. I like him. He's a nice guy. I hate to see anybody lose their job, but it's, it, you know, he just, he hasn't, I don't think he's earned a spot on this team. That draft pick pisses me off more than yeah. like any of the first round busts you can name. And the Bengals had some huge first round misses. Ross? Worse than Ross, worse than Billy Price. Who's the big uh, offensive lineman that I'm forgetting? C- C- Cedric Obwehi. Cedric Obwehi, worse than that. It pisses me off worse than all those because those other guys, at least it's like uh, you're trying to hit him, run a bit. Drew Sample, everyone was like, what? You could have gotten him in the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like the guy did nothing from an off. He was a blocker. He was just a blocker, period. Not not that my mock drafts mean anything, but I remember that that year of mock draft. I did have the Bengals taking Drew Sample in the fifth round. <laughs> just insane. Like everyone was like, yeah, it's an okay pick in the fifth round, but yeah. uh, I just don't understand. It. All right. Uh, what's worth watching in this final preseason game against Washington Saturday? Yeah, I mean, obviously the backup quarterback battle for starters. Um, they're not going to play the whole game. I, I know – Zach said he wanted to get Reed Sinnott some snaps, which is a nice pat on the head to him. He's not going to make this team or even be close and likely isn't even going to be the, a practice squad player. But I think that's a nice gesture, at least. He's been around as an arm camp or a camp arm, and you give him a little taste of some NFL. But certainly the backup quarterback battles is one thing. I, I The defensive line depth has been ridiculous. And, and just to see, I don't even know if some of these guys who are making plays are going to be able to make this team just because of how deep that defensive line room is. But it, it, you know, Raymond Johnson's had a sack in each of the two games and been really impressive to watch. Um, you know, you, you just had guys across Dominique Davis, the defensive tackles has had some moments, had a really good game against green Bay. These guys aren't going to make it, but um, they do excite me from, from a practice squad perspective that listen, if you can stash some of these guys and you may not be able to, they may have put enough film out there for other teams to, to grab them when they're cut. But if you can, it does give you some serviceable depth as you move through the season. If defensive linemen start getting hurt, all right, Skinny, let's move on to some Ask Skinny Anything. Let's do it. If you're ready. All right. What does Skinny think about Colorado's players wearing their social media handles on the back of their practice jerseys instead of their last names? Have you seen it's, this, Skinny? I have I have not, but I'm just going to say it's 2023. Nothing like that surprises me. Yeah, there you Uh-oh. go. Got the visual. Got the visual. At 7.money with two so I guess here, So here's my question, and I, and I, I sincerely mean this. So – I'm assuming they're they're hoping that you know whatever photographers are there that day get a get a shot of that. I don't know if Colorado's practices are open to fans. Who else is going to see that? So I think that's it's strictly a social media play. The, uh, Dion, when he came in, his one son runs like a video company, and they've yeah. just been filming like everything and making it a reality show. Basically, they post everything to YouTube. Like if Dion's getting coffee in the offices. Seriously, they're like it's on YouTube. Like you can just watch it. Every everything that goes on there, they're just filming in the locker room, him walking around, him talking to people, practices. So I think it is strictly just as much social media coverage as they get. They're trying to hype their guys up and sell them on NIL as much. Yeah, as they I get can. it. Like I said, it's 2023. I get it. Which I don't even think it's that practical of a thing. I think it's more so just be, and I think this is smart being able to tell the recruits like. Hey, look at all the stuff we do for you to build your brand and build your NIL profile. I've said this, like, I think a mid-major school will crush it by not actually giving any of their players NIL money, but just being like, we are the NIL school for mid-majors. We are the, like, the social media extreme school, the school that sells all of our players, that builds up their brand. They don't actually make any money, but you don't have to say that part. You just be like, we are the NIL school for mid-majors. I I guarantee you someone will do that and kill it in recruiting. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. 
Yeah. All right. Rick versus skinny snake draft. I didn't really look at this one. All right. Let me see if we. Oh, no, this is insane. We're not doing this. This is wait. This will take us two hours. I wanted to save save it. Save it. We'll do it another time. I'll give you a heads up on it. They want us to do a snake draft of all college players, six rounds, five schools. I mean, it's a lot. It's just too much. So maybe we'll we'll have to do that ahead of time and and make that a segment. Yeah, that's something we'll have to spend some time doing. All All right. What's the worst version of overtime in sports? Of course, we're getting this the uh, morning after we go to shootouts in the FCC. I'll be honest with you. Ghost runner on second base. Ooh. That's it's not a ghost runner isn't the proper word. Placing the runner on second base to start the inning. That's but yeah, but that's asinine. That's do you, do you hate that worse than the shootout in soccer? Um, I think the shootout's exciting to be honest with you. It take the only bad part is it takes a while to get to the shootout with, with either an overtime with no golden goal or whatever, or, or, or with a golden goal, whatever, without a golden goal. Um, the shootout itself is exciting. I, I honestly, it's one of the great, I think it's one of the great overtimes in sports. See, I did, especially at the, the level we were watching last night, those guys are so good. You're just wanting one guy to screw up. Basically you're waiting for someone to have a miss hit and that's or how you keep, win. Or the keeper to guess, right. Even though they say they don't guess that they can sometimes tell which way they're going to go by the way they, they flinch, whatever. But I mean, or the keeper guesses, right. That's the, yeah, but, but even when they guess, right. The shots typically are so perfectly placed. Yeah, it doesn't no, right, matter. Right, like, right. especially with the guys last night that you were watching, the only guy that didn't score completely screwed up. I mean, yeah, was, I, I think the, the, the biggest issue is, you know, because a lot of times in soccer scoring can be difficult. It wasn't last night. It was three, three in regulation or three, three when it, when it ended before they went to the shootout. I mean, the theory is, would you play 90 more minutes with, with, with without a goal being scored? Yeah, and these right. guys, one, it's, it winds up being four guys who are still standing versus three guys who are still standing. Yeah. You could play three more games and potentially right. not score again. And right. in some of these games, especially as they get more tired. So um, I get why you have to do it, but I do think it, it does stink for especially I get why the fans who are like really into soccer and the intricacies of the sport really just like the shootout. Cause it does become like, Oh, it'd be like basketball being like, all right, let's go shoot free throws to finish this one off. It's kind of, it's not the game, you know? Yeah. And that, and the thing with, with runner on second base is you can, you can, you can score a run without getting a hit. I mean, you can manufacture that runner home without getting a hit. That makes no sense to me. It happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean that, that, you almost have to score that run if you get yes. extra innings. To have a Absolutely. Chance. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think that is that is a terrible rule. I'm actually going to agree with you totally that that is the worst version of ever time in sports now. Uh, did Skinny get a limited edition messy buskin cookie? I, I did not. Darn it. There's the question. If you got one of those, since it's a limited edition, would you eat it or would you save it? Uh, I I don't really like those buskin cookies. Well, I, I do say it. Ooh, I do. Uh, yeah. So I definitely wouldn't eat it, but I also would not save it. I'd either give it away or throw it in the trash, I think. Okay. But I would never go get it, so we don't have to worry well, about it. So here's my other question from last night, because because I talked to a, to a, a Bengals re- reporter who uh, has season tickets for FC, and I said, were you tempted to sell? And he said, no. And then he said, I, I said, did you look at prices? He goes, I did. Uh, he said where his section was, they were going for 300 bucks a piece. Like, oh, that's not, I, I, I don't think I do that either. He said he saw in some cities where they were going for three grand a piece. I said, and I kind of cocked my head. He goes, oh, three grand. Absolutely. I would have sold them. So I'll ask you, if you had season tickets, it, it would, would there be a price point for you to sell it for something that special? Yeah. The question is, what's the number for right. it? And Correct. in that situation for me, like, just because I'll be honest, I'm not that excited to see Messi. I 
I'm probably at like 500 bucks. Okay. What, what do the tickets cost normally? Like a hundred? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that, to be quite frank. I'm going to yeah, assume the tickets are a hundred or under base price. Uh, I think they are. Yeah. Okay. So I would need to five X my, I would say at least 500 bucks out of it. If you get over a thousand, I don't, I wouldn't care if it was like me going to see whoever my favorite athlete was. I'd probably do it for a thousand bucks. I mean, so, so my daughter and son-in-law um, in order to go to the Bengals Raiders playoff game a couple years ago, opted to buy season tickets last year. Um, she, they sold their ticket. I thought I, I said, listen, you can probably make your money back if you sell two games, pick two games out. Well, they they picked the first game out. They couldn't go to the Pittsburgh game, so they sold those um, and didn't sell them to a Steeler fan, by the way. Um, sold them to a Bengals fan, got an okay price. And so then I said, okay, what other game are you going to pick? And she says, well, I want to go to the Buffalo game. I want to go to the Monday night game. I'm not going to do that. And obviously we know what happened in retrospect. So I said, well, sell the Kansas City game. And so when the time came, she was all set to do it. She goes, I want to go too bad. I'm not going to sell it. So I've asked her, she's picked games. Just she goes, I'm having a hard time. I want to go. I'm like, all right. I mean, you know, but you know, you can make your money back off of some of this. And they do. Those are on television. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, it is such a nice watching experience on TV for me. It is. It's, just, it's not a hard sell to be like, yeah, you, you got to give up your tickets. loves the atmosphere. And there are people who do. I, I know at her age, I did. My father, my father had season tickets until I got into basically into – Deep into my, not even deep in my career, I guess in my, in my 20s, I went to games with my dad up into my mid-20s. Um, you know, I enjoy the atmosphere. And then once I stopped going, I just came to realize if I'm not working it, I don't want to fight the crowd. And the TV experience nowadays is just so damn good. What's the point? Yeah. Admitted. I love, nothing, I love I, listen, I love going to Kentucky football games. I'll go to maybe one or two a year. But I love nothing better than slowly getting into my Saturday and then around noon just going click, 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 click till midnight. <laughs> it's the absolute best. And like, maybe you start out clicking for two and a half hours and yeah, then, then you, you find the, to like great quarter, the last quarter of a great game. Yeah. Well, well, they, but like maybe the wife's like, Hey, we got to go out and eat with this other couple. So you go to a bar, you watch the rest of the next game there. Then you go back home and you finish off the night watching three more Correct. games. I mean, like yes. there's nothing better than college football Saturday and, and college basketball. I start feeling the same way when we get into about January or February and there's games on all weekend. It's like, and they, the yeah, and they start to matter a little more. Yeah, they start to matter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, where are we at here? What's oh, what's your favorite beverage to cool you off on a hot freaking day, adult or regular? IPAs are my favorite beer, but they don't cool me down. I need a pills for that. Yeah. Um, when it's so hot, I won't sit outside and drink beer. I'll drink vodka and lemonade. But, but. At, at Bengals training camp, they're nice enough to give us a cooler of water and Gatorade. And they're those little like 12 ounce Gatorades. And I, they, the Gatorade zeros, I can crush about, if I wanted, I don't, I crush about three of them, but they go down so quickly. Those little purple Gatorades, man, they do hit the spot more, more than water. I'll, I'll drink water before practice. They have a nice cold water machine in the media room. So I'll, I'll, yesterday I probably had five cups of water and overdrank it. Cause I knew how bad it was going to be once we went out in the heat I was out in the heat for about 15 minutes. And I, and I mean, it was one of those ones where I'm like, God, I'm still thirsty. Man, I crushed two Gatorades like it was nothing. Yeah, the, I'm not a big Gatorade power. I'm not either. I'm not either. But, in general. but when they're cold and they're right there and the choice is that or water, which I've already been drinking, they do hit the spot perfectly. Like I said, for an adult beverage, it's got to be something with a bunch of ice in it. I can't drink beer on ice. I don't want to drink beer on ice, nor do I drink beer on ice. Um, so for me, if, I, if I'm going to sit outside and it's a little on the hot side, um, a nice cool refreshing glass of lemonade with some vodka sprinkled in it or is maybe it, it, more than sprinkled in it 
What's it like this week for you? You're, you're inside on evenings like this week, right? You're not sitting outside at 95 well, degree with humidity. I, I am. I am. I am not like last night. I, I got home um, and uh, last night was a was a bourbon and Sprite night watching the Reds and Messi. So inside is oh, yeah. air conditioned. Yeah. And I'm not, it's funny. I'm not a big beer drinker at home. I, I, I'm really, I used to be more beer drinker at home. Now I'm more vodka vodka guy. Um, uh, not going to lie. There might be a road pop or two on the way home at times inside the confines of my car. Um, or if I'm at a bar, I'll, I'll drink a beer. It's funny. I don't get a mixed drink in a bar ever. Um, unless it's maybe way late in the night or something. I've had my fill of beer. I'm a, I'm a beer guy in the bar. So it's weird. I know, but yeah, it is. Beer man of principles. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is the last one. This is get ready. Oh, you have to repeat your wedding night. Your family is staying in the same hotel with you and your bride. You have to choose between your parents walking into your room during wedding night activities or you and your spouse walking in on your parents naked. Which awful choice are you taking? I'm going to take the first awful choice. I mean, do they do they not know we've probably done that before? I mean, honestly, so they walk in and you just go, hey, wrong room. Get out. I mean, honestly. So, yeah, well, and, and by the way, this is like the only weekend of your life where it feels pretty normal to get walked in on. Like, you, no one's going to be like, oh, what's wrong with you two? It's like, it's our wedding Correct. weekend. We're allowed Correct. to be. Banging. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think that's an easy answer. Like, I mean, the I will say at least they said walking on your parents naked and not walking on your parents doing it. Because that. Yeah, either. either yeah, the, the, the latter would be horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the former is not a good choice either. It's not great. How hot was your mom? I mean. <laughs> My mom, my mom was a former beauty queen when she was younger. Oh, well, there you go. So not yeah. as terrible for you, I guess. I don't yep. know. <laughs> uh, all right. That's all I got. So weird way to end that podcast. It, 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 I, I, it was, that was an interesting question for sure. No question <laughs> about it. All right. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back uh, with our podcast next week. As always, we'll have some college football games to start our wagering segment on. And, of course, the Bengals inching closer towards the regular season and much more. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. A Rick Rowling. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition, sponsored by Blake, the attorney Mason.